Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Bob Marsh. Keynote speaker and sales expert Bob Marsh spent his career in sales and sales leadership. Bob has been a sales leader and CEO at two category creating companies, has raised millions in venture capital, sold two companies, and has won and grew business from some of the top brands in the world. In addition to professional speaking, Bob is an active chief revenue officer of Impact 11, and he's in the trenches of today's business world. In 2022, Bob was selected as Selling Power's Chief Revenue Officer of the Year and a top 25 sales expert to learn from. Well, good afternoon, Bob. Welcome to the show. Ryan, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to our chat here. Absolutely. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, I know a lot of times we stay up later, jump out of bed for the things that we do. But this is the truly the things we love to do, Bob. And we'll get into that a little bit. But you're out there a lot speaking with a lot of people and coaching and so forth. So, Bob, we're going to jump right into the questions here. We've got an amazing career in business and sales. You're an entrepreneur, keynote speaker. Now you're the chief revenue officer at Impact 11. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Sure. So, yeah, you know, it's funny you think about, is there a secret? Like, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know probably like you. I, I, I don't know that there's any special formula. I, I would tell you that, you know, one thing is to follow, follow your passions, follow kind of what it, it seems like the world is telling you kind of where, where you should be going. I think that that's a really important thing. I, I would tell you that, you know, through my growth and sales and leadership, and I founded a company and, and now I just, you know, I've continued to help other people develop, develop their sales capacity or their kind of right uh, mindset towards driving customer centricity. I, I, I look back and I, th- I think that the, probably the common theme through all of it is that I have a genuine interest in just helping people. And I, I have worked at, I've worked at Fortune 100 companies. I've worked at small startups, medium-sized companies all over the board. But I'll, I'll share a story with you as an example. My, my very first job in sales I was selling retail equipment. I was in a retail store. So I grew up playing golf competitively. I played in high school and college. And I was, I didn't, wasn't any unbelievable player, but like, I point is I love the game. And so I worked in a, in a, in a retail store selling golf equipment. It turned out that I was the top salesperson the store had seen in, you know, in 20 years in existence. I had no idea of this, meaning like no one ever told me like how, how good of a job I was doing. And I remember like in the, some of the later days, people start coming up to me and I say, Hey, can you give me your tips? How are you doing this? The manager of the store, like, you know, how are you doing this? And I, and I remember saying that my reaction to that was I was so surprised because I never felt like I was selling anybody anything. I was just helping customers figure out what they needed. And that really was that simple. And so my desire and interest in like helping people figure out what's right for them has always been the driver for me. And ultimately, as you get into more, more progressive or larger scale sales and, you know, corporate B2B kind of stuff, like you really got to understand your industry kind of back then in a more simple form and how I understood golf and really be an expert. And when you're an expert, you're in a position to really help people make the right decisions for themselves. So I would say that's kind of a core drive, core driver for me is helping people. I also love building things, tinkering, coming up with new product ideas, solutions, any ways to help customers that just gets my juices flowing. I love that. And everybody has a unique story here on the podcast. And Bob, that was awesome how you kind of stumbled into sales and didn't even know it. And that's what's so cool about your story there. Very unique. And I appreciate it. So, Bob, next question for you is how can companies improve their customer experience? 
I think that, you know, this, this people often ask me if I could wave a magic wand over the business world, like what would I wish for? And what I would wish for is a complete reset on what, on the perception of what sales really means. Like we all know sales has a generally a negative connotation and you know, not everyone feels that way, but like generally it's a feeling of, Hey, I should beware, you know, look out kind of what, what you know, for, for what this person's motivations are. And I think that that's a, that's a shame. Although there's plenty of people that have earned that right or earned that perception and that, that, that that's accurate. I think that a lot of us are always trying to do the right thing. And those perceptions are, you know, we spend far too much time trying to overcome those perceptions. And so, so what, what I think about when, what, to really kind of flip the idea of, of the customer experience, I encourage people to, to change their mindset from a sales process to a buying process, to just change the way you think of what customers are going through their experience with you. And not as like, how, okay, how do we sell? What are the stages and steps we go through? What are the questions that we are trying to get out for ourselves? A great, the greatest example is in the early on, like asking qualifying questions. What's your budget? Who's the decision maker? What's the process? Things like this. Not that those things aren't important, but when they when you start asking and, and come pummeling a customer with questions like that, they're very internally focused versus externally focused. And so what I encourage people and companies to do is to change that whole mindset to what is the buying experience that a customer, a typical customer goes through? And you want to look at your good customers, your bad customers, the customers that you win and the customers that you lose. And what is the buying process? What are they going through? What are all the steps that they're going through when they're deciding to purchase something? Uh, I think one of the fastest and easiest ways to do that is to pull your sales team into a room and start asking them to talk about in detail some recent wins and recent losses and really dissect those and get deep with questions like on the wins. Hey, where did this come from? Where did this lead initiate? Where did and start looking for what are the common patterns? Why did we win it? Like, what's your opinion on why we won this project? When did you know that we were going to win? What's the profile of that customer, their title, the company size, what's going on in the company? Are they growing? You know, are they in the news? Like what's, what's going on in the business? Like really getting deep to understand the profile of that customer. And then look at some of the losses and say, where do they come from? You know, is there a common thread of when we lose, they tend to come from this, this lead source versus something else. Maybe there's some patterns. Why did we lose? When did you know that we were going to lose? So often we work on a, on a sales opportunity and somewhere in the process, we're like, yeah, this one's probably not going to happen. But then we just keep going. And you wonder like, well, why are we doing that? It's a waste of our time and a waste of the customer's time. And so you say, well, when did you find that out? Now, in retrospect, what could you have done differently to either reverse the course and maybe turn it into a win or to say, hey, you know what? This really isn't a good fit for these reasons. I think it's, I think that it's best for us to back out. Now, what will happen in a lot of times in those situations, if you actually build up the confidence to do it, which you should, you might actually reveal the things that you need to do to put yourself in a better position. So, so those are some suggestions to, to think about, again, getting the company more customer focused. What's the buying process and knowing that our role is to adapt to that, not to just figure out a way that to go sell as much as we possibly can. Although I would say when you're focused on the customer that way, that's exactly what will happen. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing some of the things, especially about debriefing at the end of the day. You know, how did that go with this customer? I know you lost a customer, gained a customer or a sale. I do really, really appreciate kind of you unpacking some of that for our audience. And Bob, how does a company become more customer centric? 
So, you know, some of the things that I just covered are, are an excellent start. I think that it's, you know, if I go back to that just, just for a moment, doing, having those conversations in a group setting is really important because everybody ends up learning from each other and they start self-realizing some of those, again, those patterns that I talked about. So that, that's, that's one thing. Another is that, uh, is to get your non-sales leaders, like your, maybe your CEO, a CFO, operations people, project managers, whatever it might be, people that are outside of the day-to-day working with customers part of it and get them more involved with customers. Now they have the, they have their main primary area of focus, but just every once in a while, if they're getting more involved with customers, they're sitting in on a, on a client meeting, they're helping write a proposal, they're helping craft a solution. But the more you get non-sales leaders involved in that process, one, they start appreciating it more. They also start hearing what's the voice of the customer, what are customers saying about our product, our solutions, our competitors, our pricing, whatever it might be, so that then they can understand, oh, that's what's going on in the marketplace. So often you see companies and they're, you know, people outside of the sales organization get frustrated, like, why can't we command a higher win rate? Why can't we command higher, higher pricing? Why aren't our products a fit? It must be the sales team. The sales team must not be pitching it correctly. And while that, where that could be the case sometimes, getting more people involved on the front lines with customers really makes a difference. A little little tip that I, I've seen a lot of impact from that I wish more companies would do is something that I call the CEO fist bump. But this doesn't have to be the CEO; it can be another executive. But but here's here's the yeah, I, I'll use an example. I worked with a I won a piece of business from a company in the ad tech ad advertising technology space. They ultimately got acquired by Amazon. And what happened was the sales when I was running my own soft sales software company. The, the salesperson was working with the customer. They had their first initial meeting. I had my, I had a debrief to kind of understand how, to, how did it all go. And the day-to-day contact of the customer, you know, gave really good responses. We looked at the company and said, geez, this is a perfect fit. The certain, the right number of salespeople, they were using Salesforce as their CRM, which is like a perfect fit for us and a number of other reasons. But I also saw that the day-to-day contact on the customer side, you know, really wasn't the, you know, they were driving the process. But what we needed to do is get the get the the chief revenue officer, the VP of sales on board. And so what I did as the CEO, I said, you know, let me go find out who that person is. And I'm just going to send them an email myself. Really simple to say, hey, in this case, Randy. Randy, I saw that I think the, the person's name was 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 Mary, Mary. I can't remember her last name. Mary on your team had a great conversation with Brendan and our team today. A base, here's what I learned about your company. I got to tell you, this sounds like a perfect fit. So I just want to reach out to open the line of communication. I'm very passionate about our business. You know, based on what I learned, I'm really confident we can make a positive impact. Here's an example of someone else that we work with like you. Uh, Mary's in great hands with Brendan, but if I can help in any way, please reach out. Now, what I was doing there is, is I wasn't going around. So, so Brendan, our salesperson, he didn't have to say, hey, who's the decision maker? How do, how do I get ourselves a meeting with, with him or her? I just reached out as the CEO of the company to the direct kind of likely decision maker to say, Hey, I'm just making myself available. And, you know, we're already talking to the right person and Mary, she seems great, but Hey, I'm here if you need anything. Now, so suddenly the, the customer had all this confidence and in, in our ability, they knew that, Hey, I've got direct line of access to a senior executive. I got a response from that, from that, that VP of sales within like 30 minutes. And it instantly created a sense of relationship and trust that ultimately helped us win that customer. So there's all kinds of nuances to it. I actually have a whole template and all the background to it on my blog, but it's an example of how you can leverage your executive team, whether it's your CEO or CIO or whoever it might be, to get involved in the the customer process 
it can make it make a really big difference. So, you know, then you go around things like talk about win loss analysis, et cetera, you know, getting everybody to kind of share the wind where they came from uh, involved and in, in what what's going on with customers is a great way to build a more customer centric culture. Thank you. Uh, again, some great tips. That is just phenomenal for our audience. We've got everybody from, like I said, Bob, technologist, all the way to CEOs and and chief revenue officers. So again, appreciate the the great insights here. Right. And Bob, is there a common thread you see in underperforming teams? You know, gosh, there there's so many, and there's so many different reasons. But you know, you often look at things like teamwork, leadership. But, but of course, I'm going to focus on the customer and revenue side of things. That's, that's, you know, a lot of people joke and say, Hey, sales heals all wounds. Uh, you know, if customers don't care what you're doing, then, you know, then, you know, who knows what you're doing. So, so, so really what I, the, a common thread I would see, I do think customer centricity, which is something we just covered and, you know, I speak about, you know, my keynote speeches. Um, but what, what I think more clearly is, is that I see companies haven't defined their ideal customer profile would just waste a lot of time. And so what I mean by that is very clearly articulating, I think of it like a bullseye, like a, you know, you play darts, right? So you look at the dartboard and define like, what is the, you know, we're, we're throwing our throwing darts and we, we, we hoped it, we went at the center. That, that's what we're aiming for generally different games, of course, but, but stick with me. So I'm throwing a dart. I want to hit the bullseye. I want to hit the, I want to hit the center. Now, if I don't hit the center, I might hit kind of one of the outer rings and that's okay because I'm still playing a game. I'm still accumulating my points, whatever it might be. But really what I want to do is I want to nail that bullseye. And so I think that looking at your, your marketplace, your base of customers in a similar way is really powerful. And I'll explain why. So if you define who is the bullseye, what's the size of the company? What's the state of the company? What's the, you know, maybe technologies that they're, that they're using. Who are the, are they growing? Are they adding people? Are they, are they releasing people? Are they venture capital backed? What stage are they in? Like getting really detailed about what is the profile of that business and the people that I'm talking to. And the idea is that you'll ultimately understand and find those patterns to, well, we have an extremely high win rate, highly profitable projects, the right size with a certain type and profile of customer. It doesn't mean every one of them is going to be the same exact industry, same exact revenue size, but you're going to see some other patterns. Maybe it's the, it's their use case. Maybe it's the problem that they're facing. Maybe it's where they are in their growth pattern. When you find those patterns, it allows you to understand the ideal customer profile so that you're focusing more of your time and energy and investments in going and finding more customers that look like that. And when you haven't defined that, what happens is you're spending marketing dollars and maybe a larger market that you're not, that some may or may not be a fit. You're spending sales time working on opportunities that, that don't necessarily have the best opportunity to win. So when you really clearly articulate that, it makes a, it makes a really big difference. Now, it doesn't mean that if a customer comes to you and they're not that perfect bullseye, of course, you'll take that business. Of course, you'll work on it. But we're going to focus our time and effort marketing dollars on that bullseye. Um, and a couple other things that I've seen is, is, is that a, the, is that the people that are out there in front of customers aren't actual experts in their craft and their industry, which erodes trust. So a customer wants to work with someone who they know, A, they trust that they know that they is going to do the right thing for them, but also that they trust as an expert in what they do. I trust that they, they truly bring value. They know that they bring value to the table. They're an expert in their industry and in their category. That's what customers really want. So the more we can do as individual sellers or that we as leaders can train our team members to really be students 
of the industries that we live in and the customer profiles that we're selling into, what are they their day-to-day needs and challenges to really understand the inner workings of their business and their problems so that we can they can be experts to them. The last thing I would tell you is, which kind of relates to some of the things we talked about earlier, is almost this, 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 this feeling that we're selling to a customer, which is almost like this, you think of it as like we're doing this, it's, a, it's an act that we're doing to someone, selling is that versus a mindset of we're doing this with the customer. We're working with them to help them figure out the right solutions for themselves. And so, so I've got a lot of stories and examples and research about the power of options and how you guide customers through a process. But those are some of the things I commonly see. So, you know, again, ideal customer profile, being an expert at what you do, and really understanding that we're helping customers guide through a decision process as opposed to selling at them, uh, which is a little bit more internally focused versus externally focused. I'd really love that. And absolutely, at the end of the day, trust trumps everything, right? And knowing that you are an expert at something will definitely help put the customer at ease and bring that trust. But I appreciate you sharing so many valuable nuggets today on this. And Bob, last question of the day, we are a tech podcast platform. We ask every guest, if you're leveraging any of that new or emerging tech in your uh, business, and if not, maybe you found a cool tool or app that was great, you might share with us today. Yeah, you know, I when we were talking earlier, I told you, beware, I'm not going to share anything uh, off the charts. So, I, so I, first of all, very technically adept. I try multiple different technologies. I'm pretty organized, the whole thing. Well, one thing that I am is really important to me, and you go back to one of your early questions, like secrets to growth and success. I, I think that I'm pretty good. I think it's and it's really important for everybody to be very organized, to focus, focus your time and attention in certain areas that are going to make the biggest impact. One of the things, this goes back to like the, the really simple thing that I've, I've often used is uh, the reminders app on my phone. I know it sounds really simple, but it's a great, it's a simple little thing where I can say, hey, remember to do this this afternoon, next week, tomorrow, follow up with a customer. Oh, I should go reach out to them. We get in those situations. Oftentimes we put in our head and say, oh yeah, I got to remember to do that. I'm sure I'll remember. You know, I, I, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll remember. And then we rarely ever do. Or we go write down a notebook or throw in a calendar and we get our calendar gets filled with all these different things and it's easy to just put those items to the side. So I, I bring up that example because it helps me in my personal life, but also really helps me in business to stay organized, uh, to say, hey, at a certain time or a certain day, don't forget to do this. It helps me stay in control, feel like I'm on top of the things that need to happen. And also allows those to me to remove those things from my head so I don't have that noise of, oh, I hope I remember that. I don't have to deal with that. I can get it down. I can put it, you know, using technology anywhere that I am to keep me focused and organized. So, so like I said, it's really simple, but what I've often found by, you know, I've met an enormous amount of highly successful people is, the, you know, you see the common characteristics of hard work, but also they follow through on what they say they're going to do. You know, the, the, their fundamentals are right. And so that's why I like the simple app and, and the reminders, the reminders tool, because it allows me to do the simple things with consistency and reliability. I love that. And that's almost like an exercise I like to do with my teams is, hey, if you were given one app, only one app on your phone to use for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I love these sort of things. So thank you for sharing your insights, Bob, on the technology you're leveraging today. And Bob, it was such a pleasure having you on today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Great. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate the, the thoughtful questions. Bye for now. 